0: So good to see each one of you here today. We got our young people who are out on a special trip today, but uh, it's good to see all of you here. And uh, we're gonna uh, just jump right into the lesson today. And I want to address an issue that I have heard several people comment about uh, over the last, uh, really last couple of years. I've heard several people make the statement, I just don't hear any lessons about baptism anymore. Have you thought that? Have you said that? I just don't hear lessons about baptism anymore. Uh, so we're going to change that today. We're going to have a lesson on baptism today. You probably noticed that on, in the bulletin, and I hope you picked up a bulletin. If you don't, we should have a few extras out in the foyer, because I'm going to refer to it a little bit today. But uh, got the fancy cover there and the community with God inside. And, and I want you to be thinking about baptism, and along those lines... I got to thinking, I don't remember the last time I taught a Bible class lesson or a sermon on baptism. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. This. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has given, been given to me in heaven and earth on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I grew up in the day that uh, the only translation, the English translation we had was King James Version. So... uh, For me, that's go ye into all the world instead of go therefore. So go ye into all the world. And I heard a preacher one time say, go ye means go me. So let me throw that question back to you again. I don't hear very many lessons about baptism anymore. I haven't taught that many. How about you? How many of you taught? How many lessons about baptism have you taught? Why is it that we want to relegate teaching the gospel, teaching the message the importance of baptism? Why do we want to relegate that to ministers or Bible classes or sermons or something like that? Uh, And and I'm not condemning you when I say that. I'm just asking that question because I'm probably as guilty as you are. Uh, That's something we... We, well, we take our kids to church so they'll learn about that, right? Uh, we bring them to Sarah's daughter's class. And, and, and Serena, don't ever, don't ever apologize. Uh, the message was great. Uh, the, the little choking up, the little tears, the business, that's called passion. And Serena is one of the most passionate Bible class teachers I know. She has a whole crew of passionate Bible class teachers. So probably, if you want to say who, who's taught the last class on uh, baptism, probably be Serena and, and Morgan and, and, and Linda and that crew. But to be perfectly honest, I don't read of hardly any sermons about baptism in the New Testament. Now, before you start... Throwing stones, let me explain that. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. Paul said, I teach Jesus. I preach Jesus. Paul didn't preach baptism, and in fact, at some point, he even pointed out, I, I didn't even baptize any of you people. Uh, what I'm preaching is Jesus. I am preaching Jesus, and yes, I understand, and we'll get to that in just a minute, the importance of being immersed into Christ, and the importance of being baptized into Christ. I understand that. But the point I'm trying to make here is, I think sometimes in our efforts to preach baptism, we've made it into an event. We've made it into something where you join a club. We've made it into focusing on that one time that you go under the water. And I'm not sure that's exactly what the scriptures intended. I'm not sure that's what God was talking about. I'm not sure. So this week when you read your, um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully you um, get a bulletin this week or maybe you pull it up on the internet. The, The scriptures this week, are all about baptism. So read each one of these, the baptism of Jesus, the baptism on the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, the Philippian jailer, what what Peter has to say in 1 Peter 3, what Paul has to say in Romans 6, and open your mind to see if maybe there is something more than what we have taught in the past. And when I say we, I mean me. Uh, Several, a couple years ago, I came across, about a year ago I guess, came across a book called uh, Think Again by Adam Grant. And and the thought is go back and view the things that you have always thought you knew and reevaluate them, think again. Not because you were necessarily wrong, but here's the point. Did you miss something? Is it possible that we have missed something in our preaching of baptism? Is it possible that we have, like so many in the world, made it into an event where we talk about, okay, you reach this point and then you're baptized. Okay, but what does that mean? What does the scriptures really mean? Sometimes we get carried away with traditions. Sometimes we get carried away with heritage. I have had um, at least two, maybe three conversations within the last month with individuals who talked about when they were baptized or when they were observing a baptism, uh, it was redone, it was done twice because the person's feet came up out of the water at the time when they took them down and the feet came up for those of y'all Who've ever done any baptism those are called floaters uh and that isn't and and that's not not being silly that's just what happens people have a tendency to float so when you take a person down if you're if you're not careful uh, sometimes their feet will float up Uh, that happens is it necessary to take them down twice to make sure that the feet and everything is under are we putting that much emphasis on the water i think Peter will talk about that, that it's not the washing of the water. Uh, It's the answer of the good conscience. We'll come to that in a little bit, but uh, is it, um, do do they have to know everything? Do do we have to, and please, please, when I say this, uh, do not misunderstand me. The Jill Miller film strip is great, okay? And teaching a person is probably as important as the actual act of making sure that they understand. But have we got to the point where it's a matter of, well, if you don't know this, 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 and this, you can't be baptized. This week, as you read these scriptures about what was going on, baptism, and in, 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 uh, particularly with the Ethiopian eunuch, I'm not sure... He followed the correct process there. Do you have to be baptized in a church building? Do you have to have witnesses? Again, the Ethiopian eunuch was probably teaches us that maybe not always, you can be baptized in a river, you can be baptized in a creek, as we say in Oklahoma, you can be baptized uh, in the ocean, like they do in Africa. You can be baptized in a swimming pool, as we have done several times. It's not the location, it's the process. What are you baptized into? Have we focused on the water? Have we focused on the day? Have we focused our our, our teaching and our thoughts to a certain point that we've missed the bigger picture? Do you have to be baptized by a preacher? I've baptized, I've been fortunate, I've baptized three people in the last year, none of whom I have actually taught. They were all taught by women. They were all taught by somebody else and for some reason those women didn't feel like they could baptize, they needed a preacher to do that. And I was glad to do that. But where is that in Scripture? Again, if we focus on the event, sometimes we have to come up with these traditions or or things that pull away from the real purpose, from the real thought. I think sometimes the... um, The mere word baptism is a handicap. Uh, I understand 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. I had this memorized, but again, I have it memorized in King James, so I'm, I'm reading from the New American Standard. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be... And the American Standard says adequate, but I don't like that word, so I've scratched it out in my Bible, <laughs> literally, and put complete. I like the, the that's more accurate, actually, to the, to the Greek. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes, I believe all scripture is inspired. But number one, when he wrote this, he's talking about scripture, And at that time, there was no the New Testament. Does that mean that the New Testament isn't inspired? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is let's not make a bigger deal out of this than what it should be. God's Word is inspired. But God's Word was also in Greek in the New Testament, Hebrew in the Old. And sometimes translations are less than adequate. Sometimes translations are misleading. The word baptism that we see most often in the New Testament comes from the noun form of baptism baptisma or the verb form baptismo. And so we have the translators have actually trans what's called transliterated it instead of translating what it actually means they've made a word that sounds very similar. And we've become very comfortable with that. The real word, if it's translated, is immersed. Immersed, completely engulfed, if you would. Immersed in water, engulfed in water. And so I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor, or do yourself a favor, I guess. This week, if you choose to, which I hope you do, to read these, these uh, passages in the community with God, every time you come to the word baptize or baptism, put immersion in there and see if it maybe changes some of the thought, maybe it changes some of the impact, maybe it increases the intent of the scripture. Are we immersed into the water? Yes. But are we immersed into something much greater? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Jesus, uh, Paul says, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bond service for Jesus' sake. I pull that verse out, and yes, I know that's probably not a good thing to do, is to extract a scripture to use uh, for your, to make a point. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back and read the chapter before and make sure I'm using this in the correct context. And when I did so, I was a little surprised because in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about Moses being in front of God. And he had to put a veil over his face because the glory of God was so... (laughs) so amazing, so overpowering, it actually left a glow on Moses. It was that powerful to be, forgive me, to be immersed in the presence of God. Verse 18, but we are all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed, notice the transformed, into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. And so when he starts chapter 4, therefore, since we have this ministry, go ye means go me, as we have received, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things of this Hidden that are hidden because of shame, but not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. Think about that. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing." In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving that they might see, not, not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservant for Jesus' sake. For God who said light shall come out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give The light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not ourselves. So, what am I trying to say? What's the the point here? There's a word that jumped out in here a response of the conscience. Response of the conscience. It's the same terminology that uh, the Apostle Peter will use in referring to baptism as not the washing of body, but the answer of a good conscience to God. And the answer of a good conscience results in a different appearance, okay? What I'm proposing, and you think about this, because don't just take it because Dwight said it, or anybody says something. Think about it, work on this, study this. What I'm proposing is that baptism is not just an event. It is a process that changes a person, that because of that answer of a good conscience, there is a glow, there is an appearance, there is something about them that changes. Paul will refer to it in Corinthians again as, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature, depending upon your translation. Being immersed in Christ is not an event. It is a way of life, simply put. Many of the scriptures that we read in the New Testament are not talking about the event at all. We'll get to one of those in, in, after the communion. Many of the scriptures are talking about being immersed in Christ as a life, as a lifestyle. There are... Before I get in trouble on this one, yes, I understand that Ephesians 4, 5 said there is is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. But again, please don't take that out of context. I don't think it's saying that there is only one in existence. I think what it's saying is there is only one meaningful, only one true baptism. And again, if you put the word immersion in there, all of a sudden it goes beyond a day, goes beyond what we write on a certificate. It goes into, there is one immersion, and that is into Christ. Because if, we, if you focus on just the event, uh, you have problems with uh, the scripture uh, that was just read at the, at the beginning that Tom read. Matthew 3 1 through 17 lists at least two and maybe even three different baptisms. The baptism of John. The baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then you're left with the possibility of a third baptism the baptism of Jesus Jesus didn't need to repent Jesus didn't need to repent and I think that's probably at least to some degree what John was saying and I love the way Tom read this uh, Jesus, you want me to baptize you, but I need to be baptized of you. Okay? This, this, uh, I'm talking about repentance. I'm trying to get people to repent, and you're the one that we're setting the example. You don't need to repent. Repent, baptism, being immersed, the act, all of these things, there are different ones. There is one that is meaningful, there is one that is true, there is one that is everlasting, just like one Lord one faith, one baptism. And that one baptism, if you put in the word immersion, is that is what it's all about. A baptism, immersion into the life of Christ as a permanent lifestyle. Not an event, not a date on a certificate, but a way of living. Jesus himself used the term baptism in a different sense. Luke chapter 12, verse 50. In speaking to the disciples, Jesus said, But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Now this was a long time after John baptized Jesus. He refers to the baptism of his death, the immersion of being in God's Eternal will to be a part of that, to put his life there. In Mark chapter 10, verse 38, I kind of alluded to this in class this morning. Mark chapter 10, verse 38, almost the same parallel uh, concept or time frame. Jesus said to his disciples, You do not know what you're asking for because they asked that they could sit on his right and left hand, James and John. You do not know what you're asking for? Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? Use that term, it makes more sense if you put immersion, the actual literal translation. You wanna be immersed with the immersion that I'm about to go through? He's not talking about an event. He's talking about a process. He's talking about a way of life. Are you sure you can do that? We're going to pause for a few minutes for partake of the Lord's Supper. And during this time, I want you to think about the baptism that Jesus went through. Not by, the, not by John the baptizer, but the baptism that he talks about here in this verse. The baptism of his death. The baptism of his sacrifice, the baptism, the immersion, if you would, into God's will and giving his life for that purpose. Think about that as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Like many of you of a certain age, I was brought up with uh, the five principles of hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, which I. Again, I strongly believe. I, I believe now as much or more than ever in, in those, those five things. Um, and a, a, again, I, I hope you're not misunderstanding what I'm trying to say this morning when I'm talking about baptism and immersion. That being said, if it's important to hear, do you stop listening? If it's important to repent, do you stop repenting when you do things wrong? If it's important to believe, do you keep on believing? If it's important to confess, do you keep on confessing Jesus? Then if it's important to be baptized, what should you keep on being baptized? anytime we make this an event anytime we make this a membership into a group anytime we limit baptism to that context i think we're harming people it gives them an occasion to say oh well i've done that i'm good go Uh, paul will talk about that in the book of romans i like to compare this and give you something to think about to marriage. When were you married? Guys, I hope to goodness you know your anniversary date. June 2nd, 1972. I even know they Anniversary of our first date, which Peggy never could remember, but I could always remember. But yeah, I, I can tell you the date that I was married. I can also tell you the date that's on my baptismal certificate. November 9th, 1965. But you know what? Just like marriage, that's only a date. That's when my marriage started. Are you married? Yes. And it does not hinge on a date. Are you immersed into Christ? Yes, and it does not hinge on a date. It hinges upon a relationship. I think so many times, as I've mentioned, uh, when we hear the word baptism, oh, yeah, I've done that. Quit doing that. Put in the word Immersion. And read Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound, may it never be? How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Back that up. Do you not know that as many of us have been immersed into Christ Jesus, have been immersed into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through immersion into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who was for he who has died is free from sin now if we have died with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead it is ne- and never to die again death no longer has master over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to God even so consider yourselves to your, consider yourselves go back there Dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. When somebody is baptized, we talk about a new life in Christ. We don't often talk about a new death in Christ. That's the immersion side. That's the immersion part. Dying. Death to sin, to sacrifice your life, the wants, the desires of your flesh, to live in immersion with Christ, to join Him in His death for the hope of eternal salvation, for the hope of eternal life. When we teach baptism, are we falling short sometimes when we only talk about the event? Um, Abby Baldwin does a phenomenal job with our bulletin. Um, absolutely amazing. The artwork and getting it all to fit together and everything like that. And, and she will also be editing this, this live stream video. So um, I want you to hear this, Abby. I saw this online yesterday and I thought, oh no. Abby misspelled immersion. Baptism or, I don't know if you've seen that. Look at your bulletin. But, oh no, Abby misspelled immersion. And then I thought, oh no, Dwight misspelled immersion because, oh crumb, because I thought it was I, M-M-E-R-S-I-O-N. You know what? It's both. I looked it up in the dictionary. Well, actually, I didn't look it up. That's an old term. I Googled it. I got on the computer and I Googled it. Immersion with an I, I -I I-M-M-E-R-S-I-O-N, the act of immersing someone or something in a liquid to to plunge it into water, to immerse it into something. Uh, We just talked about being immersed into death with Christ, okay? Uh, when you bury something you don't just halfway put it in the ground you put it completely in the ground and completely covered up immersion that's what i m m e r s i o n i don't know if it was god's providence or just a lack of communication I have you used the word immersion do you know what the immersion E-M-E-R-S-I-O-N, means the process or state of emerging from or being Out of water after being submerged the process bingo God wrote the last part of my sermon for me thank you thank you thank you immersion she used the right word the best sermon ever written on baptism is Romans chapter 6 You fall in love with Jesus. You fall in love with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You fall in love with the concept of eternal life, salvation from the mess this world is in. Being asked to be dunked in water Ain't no big deal. In, in fact, if you look at uh, the, the scriptures that I'm asking you to read in the community with God, this, that's what happened. The gospel was preached and people said, okay, so what can we do? The eunuch said, okay, can I be baptized? Here's water. Can, can I be baptized? It will be a natural response if instead of preaching baptism, we preach Jesus. And if we preach Jesus and it is a natural response, it is like a marriage. There may be a date on that certificate, but it becomes a permanent, lifelong relationship. Do you have such a relationship? Do you have that relationship? Yeah, I was baptized. I go to church. There's more to it than that. There's more to being a good husband or a good wife than having a marriage certificate and saying hi to your spouse. Okay? There's more to being immersed in Christ than just being immersed in water and showing up every once in a while. Are you immersed in Christ? Probably none of us as much as we want to be, but isn't it a wonderful thought? So think about that this week. Think about it right now. In just a moment, we're going to sing what we traditionally call an invitation song. And if there's anything that you would like to share with this congregation, publicly, come down front. We'll have people down here waiting for you. Privately, you can go back to the uh, four-year area. Uh, but please, please, be immersed in Christ. Begin, if you're not already, begin this week to step back into the water and to live in the water and to live in full immersion. Jesus Christ, so that someday you will emerge in eternal life with Him in heaven. Think about that while we stand and sing.